great morning, good people. And thank you for listening to Her Story Podcast. Her, H-E-R, is an acronym for Heroic, Empowering, and Resilient. And this is a self-improvement, self-acceptance, and women empowerment podcast. My main purpose is to encourage, empower, and motivate all women by highlighting their personal stories of triumph over adversity. Each of us has a story. Maybe it's an illness, a financial burden, or a dead-end job. In general, unforeseen circumstances can make you feel isolated or alone. But when you feel like you've hit rock bottom, it doesn't mean that it is the end of your story. It is often within the darkest nights we produce the brightest stars. There are women out there who have gone through the very same barriers you may be facing today, but they didn't give up. In fact, they used their difficulties to mold them into strong and resilient women. And if they can break through their hardships, so can you, because you are her. Heroic, empowering, and resilient, magnificent morning, good people. Again, it is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest, Miss Tamika Peoples, who is the founder of Seed to Shirt, which is the first black woman-owned integrated apparel manufacturing and print-on-demand company in the United States. Seed to Shirt is the first to use an all-black-owned production from cotton seed to cotton shirt for their blank apparel t-shirt line from the African diaspora people in Kenya, Africa. To a Black-owned printing company, she prints it in Atlanta, Georgia. Tamika has not only started a movement of massive change, but she is making history and bridging an international gap between the African nation and America at the same time. Tamika, we have so much to cover and share. Welcome to Her Story Podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Jay. It is my honor to be here with you and just thank you for giving the space for us women to share our story and know that we can all do this. So I'm just so happy to be here and thank you so much for the opportunity. Yes, yes, definitely. So like I said before, you know, I'm so excited to interview you and you know, I just want to state that you are absolutely amazing. Your entrepreneurial journey, your selflessness, and your focus on providing an opportunity and services to our people is very admirable. Please tell the listeners where you're from and a little about yourself. Of course, of course. Well, I'm Tamika Peoples. Like she said, I am from Sacramento, California, originally family. You know, I grew up the youngest of three. My journey into the fashion space really didn't start there. It started with just grit and determination and seeing my mom being a single mother doing amazing things. And I just always started with this faith and belief in myself that I can do anything. And so growing up in Sacramento, um, I, I did a little bit of everything. I went to school for basketball and um, had a uh, really a great passion for my community and, and work in the space of um, IT and, and, and social structure. So I, I just had an interesting path. And um, growing up in Sacramento really taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about myself, taught me a lot about my community and um, just just being resilient. <laughs> Yes, being resilient. And, you know, we love to hear it here at Her Story, being heroic, empowering, and resilient, and that you are. Um, so, you know, now let's begin with the creation of Seed to Shirt. Can you please share your vision and motivation to create your own company? Oh, my goodness. You know, it really started with with this um, plight towards service. I, um, I did 10 years in the Air Force. I got out and I was in the central coast of California and I was doing a lot of community work. And 
that community work always required us to do things like brands and give out swag gear and you guys know where the story is going right it really meant that we were dealing a lot in apparel and I went one day and was like hey I need I want to buy a shirt that's made by a black company and I will also want this shirt to you know actually have cotton from black farmers and um, when I started on that journey for this really just meeting a need for something that I didn't see existed it, it, that was the start to see the shirt. You know, the print shop owner who was a, a, another uh, black woman was like, uh, that doesn't exist. Here's the catalog, <laughs> right? And so right. I was like, there's no way that um, us as black people who really fuel the fashion industry, who, you know, we do a lot with branding and statements on shirts, there is no way we can't have a space um, in this blank apparel ecosystem. And if it doesn't exist, why doesn't it? And why aren't, why isn't someone creating it? And so instead of kind of looking for someone else to create that, I said that we could create it. And so I went about the work back in, back in 2018 to do just that, to create an apparel line, a blank apparel line that was manufactured in such a way that I knew the cotton that was going into it was coming from black farmers. I knew that the entire black production system was going to be black and that, you know, we own that company, i.e. see the shirt own that company and could bring it to market. And um, that really started the journey. It just, it didn't exist. And I, and I saw that there was opportunity to create it. Definitely, definitely. And I love everything about that because, you know, often we say to support black businesses and there's definitely different catalogs of different black businesses. When I think about tourism and I'm currently in New Orleans, Louisiana. So, you know, New Orleans is a... uh, economy and um, pretty much a a gig economy and tourism economy. But when we think about the different black businesses, we don't really do the investigation to look at when we say black businesses, does it mean overall black vendors, black production and all of those things. And so again, for C to shirt to be an all black owned production from cotton seed to cotton shirt for like you stated stated the blank apparel t-shirt line to a black owned um well a woman black owned print company she prints it that's amazing right and her story again is focused on the importance of empowering women of color and black women so Again, can you just share why it's so important to keep everything within Black-owned brands? I know you said that was a gap. I know you said that you were encouraged and motivated to create your own. But why do you feel it's so important to keep everything within Black-owned brands? Oh, my. That's a, I always feel like that's a loaded question because I, I honestly feel the backbone of um, recreating everything that was stripped and stolen um from our forefathers and forefathers and even us in current day, we have to have an economic base. And that economic base starts with our businesses, right? We support our businesses, then we can look at turning that money that goes into our businesses back into our community. And from there, we can grow um, true infrastructure and kind of create our own dependencies uh, and not on dependencies of systems that don't value us, that don't um, invest in our communities, invest in our children. I, I, I really just felt like it was time out pouring 
uh, my funds and resources into companies that could care less about who we are as a people and who we are as a community. And, you know, again, it's so important that we are looking at things holistically in terms of support, in terms of, of ownership, and in terms of businesses. And, you you know, you also stated that um, providing products and services that empower the, um, the African diaspora people is planet beneficial, right? Um, it serves as a positive purpose in, in people's lives and just makes the world an overall better place. Um, but can you really go into detail with the listeners on the importance of equal and fair trade, especially within Africa? Well, first, I, I, I want to talk a little bit, if I can, about the, 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 the thought behind the entire vision that is the shirt. Yes, As definitely. I mentioned, we source our cotton out of Africa. We produce in, in a fair trade manner, and I'll explain that here shortly. But we went a, a step further. Um, you know, land, they're not making no more land, family. Um, and certainly we have this centuries of history of dealing with land and producing great things from that land. And we, we felt like it was important to invest in the very farmers that uh, the cotton was coming from. Um, and we're going to replicate what we're doing in Africa here also in the U.S. with our black cotton farmers. Um, so we really made it a, a point to identify, one, where they were producing volumes of organic cotton, uh, what we would call global organic textile standards cotton, got organic cotton certified that way, in, in a way that was um, valuing to the people that were supporting that land. And so we, we went all the way through the process of creating a partnership with those cotton farmers, understanding, you know, how much they were producing, how we could source, and then creating programs that um, addressed some of their needs, right? Because very often we're just, you know, very concerned with, hey, we have this T-shirt, it looks good, and we can use it, and that's great. No, you know, fashion comes from the ground, and 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 the more we can invest in the land and the people and the resources, making sure they have tools and programs that they need, the, the better off we are as as a people and as a planet. And so we have a, a, a farmer enrichment program that's very much about investing in the farmers, right, because they're the beginning of everything that is fashion, and we should be absolutely investing in them. And so... I just I want the audience to understand that it's it's more than just um, blank T-shirts that you're investing in. When you invest and purchase from Feed the Shirt, we are in fact supporting the farmers that support the shirts on your back. Um, now you t- asked me a question about the what is the fair trade uh, in countries? You know, let's say in continents like Africa or countries in this case Kenya. Yes. Um, Fair trade is really this concept that people should be paid a fair wage, livable wage for the work that they are doing. Um, And sometimes in fashion, you don't find that family. Um, You don't find the fact that they're being paid livable wages. Sometimes the conditions aren't uh, amenable to working long hours and producing your, you know, the product of clothing. Um, So we were really intentional about our, our production being ethical as well as fair trade certified. Um, and 
And that was important to us, as well as the fact that it's a carbon-neutral production facility. So there are so many elements that we were intentional about, you know, how it was produced, who this the source product came from, and then what we were doing with that final product that really, you know, is the shirt behind your brand. We are the fuel behind the statement on your shirt, right? And so we just were, were intentional about making sure that there was equity and ethicalness even in the production of your shirt. I, you know, what I appreciate the most, Tamika, again, like you said, your intention, uh, intentionality and like the, the overall planning of every single thing that you do, like from full detail and everything. And um, I think that it's great, one, that you are definitely connecting internationally between our people and those that are in Kenya, Africa and over within the states. And um, it, it's kind of like a, a global movement, right? And before we even began the interview, I provided you just with a little background information about who I am and like the organization and things that I direct in my activism work. And for you to be able to provide the resources for you to have so much intention and focus in providing a livable wage and things like that. Um, I, I think that it's just phenomenal, right? Because when I think about the U.S. and when I think about specifically Louisiana, you know, Louisiana doesn't even have a set minimum wage. We're at the federal level at seven twenty-five. Um, for like the the past five years, I've been organizing around eliminating preemption about um, the fight for 15 or even going further than that, like you said, an actual livable wage for BIPOC communities throughout the state. And so for you to be having that focus within your company, within the brand, within the production and everything, I think is amazing. And you briefly mentioned um, the former enrichment program. And, you know, I did, I, I researched it, I read about it. I absolutely, I absolutely love the program. So, um, and, you know, you stated that it's dedicated and centered on empowering marginalized people and leading to rebuilding the community and countering inequity, inequity and the systems that we face, the barriers that we face on uh, a daily basis. So can you provide just, more as you think about the program, can you share its overall mission and focus and movement within that former enrichment program? Thank you so much for so much for asking, Jade. Um, <laughs> that program was really born out of the work. I, I hear when I heard you describe who you are and what you do, it, you can see that you are committed to movements and actions that empower people at large. Um, Obviously, we're, I'm based here in, in, in California, and we do work in, in Georgia and at so many other places. But when we look at land and access and resources, oftentimes BIPOC communities are systemically uh, eliminated for the resources that can help them on their lands. In fact, even here in the U.S., black farmers are stripped of their lands, right? That's right. a whole, we can go down that road, right? And so... I, I really thought it was important for us to focus in on our mission for the farmer enrichment program is to empower the farmers to live, uh, to have better livelihoods on their farmland for, for now and for, you know, um, excuse me, centuries from now. And what we mean by that is for their children's children's children. And very often in, 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 in black communities, African communities, small hope farm communities, um, 
they are they are don't have the best of resources to do very simple things like having a storage facility for their for their cotton to be gathered to you know some some of these farmers are still picking the cotton by hand whereas you know here in the US and other uh places they're they're mechanized um picking methodologies that they can employ so we really you know we were intentional about creating the relationship with that farming community and, and making it a long-term partnership that could really in, in, impart um, tools for for the farmers that uh, that would help uh, in, uh, enable better farming practices on the land. Um, resources like uh, small grant, micro small grant programs to help them buy other things for other their companion plants on the farm, which, as we know, cotton is fairly intensive, so other plants are typically planted. Um, and then helping to enrich um, the the overall organic cotton community of our, our partners where we're sourcing the cotton. And what we mean by that is, you know, we don't want to just be the only one saying we're, we're use, utilizing, you know, the organic cotton from this particular region. We want to encourage others to use uh, organic cotton from these regions and and support the farmers in a way that enrich their lives. Obviously, when you support, you're hopefully buying more cotton from this area. And so, we 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 went so far as to become a a certified organic cotton broker, uh, so that we can support not just ourselves buying the cotton, but others being encouraged to buy that cotton and being encouraged to explore these relationships and us being almost like a bridge for those relationships to happen. Um, we've gone so far as to support uh, uh, and, and broker and support a deal that uh, led to over 110,000 pounds of organic cotton being used in other uh, U.S. companies uh, here for for similar reasons, right? Because the goal is, if you do this right, right, these, these farmers' lives and their children's lives, they continue their farming legacies, will be enriched because of the relationship they have with seed to shirt. Um, I don't come at this with this uh, altruistic or we have all the answers. We're doing this side by side with the farmers. And where do I get this kind of this skill set and this mindset from? You know, I, I kind of point to an example that you're leading by, right? That you, you immerse yourself into these communities. I, I actually have a background in nonprofit agriculture outreach work here in the U.S. that has given me this sense of what are we taking, what are we learning from this work that we're doing, and how are we creating this bridge? Because we are a global community of African people. Yes. And what happened, you know, what is happening to us here in the States, you can only imagine and magnify that what is happening to us in other, in other places. So we need to be thinking with a Sankofa mindset. Uh, when we think about us as a people. And um, we also are bridging these same relationships with cotton farmers, uh, black cotton farmers here in the U.S., you know, working and understanding where are some of the last black cotton gins and how are we creating a, a pathway to source and use the, the cotton here in the U.S. through these same, through these same verticals. And so... Um, it, it, it was important for us to make sure that we were building legacy and supporting the building of legacy with our farmers instead of being um, extractive. Typically, 
the fashion community is very extractive in their relationship with farmers. And we want it to be the complete opposite of that. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, Again, I just, I can't share enough my excitement around how everything is just so, um, it's just well thought out and so intersectional within everything that you have committed to doing with everything that you have literally, um, you know, sewn together within your company, right? Not trying to be corny, but like everything is just so intertwined and, and, um, and connected. I think it's just beautiful. It's definitely beautiful. And, you know, with everything that you hold, Tamika, from you being the brains and the mastermind and the strategist for um, you just carrying out your vision just full heartedly through the mission and everything that you have connected, how are you able to balance between work and life and the many other titles that you hold? And I think that's important for you to cover this just because, again, the her story is focused on Black women and their businesses and their movements and it's, again, so often we we stretch ourselves thin and especially when we have work that is people-centered in businesses that are people-centered as well that have uh, even deeper uh, mission and vision. So how are you able to balance with your personal life in the businesses and uh, the nonprofit and advocacy and everything that you hold? Thank you. Great question. You know... How I find that work-life balance is boundary. Um, I know that in the power of no. <laughs> yes. Um, I know as, as a woman, and I, I know I'm speaking to, to other women at this point on the other end of the sound of our voice, right? But maybe even not. Maybe they're male or partner or partners in this, in this work. But I will tell you, I'm very strict when it comes to my boundaries and I'm, and I'm very, um, diligent on, um, I'm being able to say no and not, and not beating myself up about that no. Uh, and that took me a long time. It's really hard to do that. Women, just by nature, we're nurturers. So sometimes we yes ourselves into exhaustion. Um, but I am very clear about my boundaries and holding space for very particular things, my mental health, my family life. And, and, and then of of course, I guess my third thing is an amazing, what I would call amazing team and network. Um, when you start to surround yourself with people who are also your accountability circle, <laughs> it, it becomes, it becomes a little bit easier to hold true to those boundaries. Um, and so those are my, you know, just three magic codes and an amazing, amazing networking team clear boundaries and the power of no. Yes. And thank you so much for sharing that because it's something that I still battle with um, myself. You know, I always try to share different things that I, I try to aim to accomplish as it relates to my boundaries, to balance, to self-care. Um, and, you know, we're all human. We get caught up in it. But the power of no personally really, um, it connected with me, you know, and I've, I've been trying to learn more and more as 2021 is almost coming to an end to just one, um, make sure that 
I'm um, designating certain things, passing different tasks on to others, delegating different tasks and learning how to tell others no as well. So um, thank you for sharing that because it, it provides some clarity even for myself on my end as into the direction that I'm going in, in terms of work-life balance. Um, so, you know, folks, we have Tamika Peoples again. You have dropped so many, so many gems. Um, if someone is just interested again in learning more about you and your many brands, your your businesses, um, your philanthropic efforts, what um, are some of your social media handles? How can people learn more? Thank you. Uh, yeah, people can follow me. Anything see the shirt that's the Farmer Enrichment Program, how to support us with you know, shopping or anything you might need for your business and promotional products at c2shirt.com. And, and that is the two, the number two in the middle of that. And that's on all social media uh, handles, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, you name it. Um, and I'm also, um, I'm very connectable on LinkedIn. So I use that professional profile very well. You can certainly learn more about just me and, like you said, the things that I'm connected to. Um, I'd say just find me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect. That's Tamika. I believe I have the R there. Tamika R. Peoples. <laughs> that's my last name. Peoples, just like it sounds. People with an S. <laughs> Thank you again so much, Tamika. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this interview. I enjoyed it too, Jay. I really appreciate you. And let's continue to live our dream and our stories, ladies. Um, we, we can do this. Thank you so much. It was amazing talking to you this evening. Yes, yes. And, you know, in closing, folks, always remember your story is not solely for you. It's meant to be shared with other women, with other people, providing hope to those facing similar situations and sharing lessons learned. And you definitely don't have to be timid or shy to share your story. Always remember that you are a victor, a winner, and you will not be defeated. You declare growth and prosperity over your life. You are brilliant, bold, and beautiful. You are her, heroic, empowering, and resilient. And if you are empowered, encouraged, or motivated in any way by listening to Tamika People's story, please tell a friend to tell a friend. Her Story Podcast is available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. You can follow on Instagram at herstory underscore podcast. And I'm also on Facebook at herstorypodcast. Again, this is Jay Jameson with Her Story and we're out. Mm-hmm.